Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to Speed City, gearheads. All righty, yeah. We just got to watch the French Grand Prix. We needed a good race, didn't we, boys, after a couple of not-so-exciting F1 races? Hey, yep. if you ignored the leader for a while, it was really exciting. Yeah, well, this is John Massengill. That was Les Kaiser and Jonathan Green. Jonathan, what did you think of the French Grand Prix today? Uh, better, like you say. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a, a cakewalk for Mr. Hamilton, um, but uh, there's some good stories all through, uh, some good and bad stories. And when I say bad, I'm talking Alonso. Uh, and I'm, when I say good, I'm talking Vettel uh, re- recovering and uh, Ricardo and uh, Raikkonen. I'm really happy for Raikkonen. And I'm also happy for Verstappen, uh, a very clean, nose clean kind of let's let's come to let's come to, to friendship again uh, between the team because he's had a rocky road. And uh, yeah, so a lot of good stories. But Hamilton, as I said, uh, you know, I think Hamilton needed a dominant weekend. Mercedes needed a dominant weekend um, and they got it. Yeah, and the Haas boys look pretty good. Rogozhan with the five-second penalty, but I, I don't think it really changed a whole lot for them. He was out of the points at that no, point. Magnussen drove great. But Magnussen, yeah. I mean, it wasn't their best finish of the year, but close. Jonathan, you did that research. He was uh, fifth in Bahrain and yeah. sixth. Fifth uh, and sixth he's already had, but at yeah. uh, sixth place, it kind of equals, you know, or pretty much his best best performance. So uh, fifth place and two six. Well, yeah, let me run it down. So Lewis Hamilton won the race. Max Verstappen second, Raikkonen third, Ricardo Vettel, Magnussen, Botas, Carlos Sainz, Hulkenberg, Charles Leclerc in 10th in the points. Good man. And Roman Grosjean, I believe that's before the five-second penalty. And then Van Dorn, Erickson, Hartley, Sorotkin, Alonso, Lance Stroll, and Perez, Ocon, and Gasly did not finish the race. But, yeah, and Alonso didn't finish the race, actually. Well, Alonso had had an incident. uh, I don't know what, but uh, he had a, a situation where we saw his left rear axle Bent or broken, don't know which, but he was in and uh, three wheels on his wagon. Yeah, it could have been a uh, suspension kind of from the way it looked like it because it still had positive drive. So I, th- I think it was suspension. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, the, um, you know, the, the best best thing that happened today was that it was an exciting race. And the, the circuit, I, I thought it was a pretty good uh, comeback for the French Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. the, uh, the two and three car wide was uh, so common. I think that made it exciting. There was a lot of risk being put out there. Maybe uh, maybe not going with the gravel traps is uh, something to consider elsewhere. Well, Jonathan, you talked about while we were watching it is that I mean, we saw a lot of overtaking and it kind of the, the, the layout, the lack of the traps and uh, I mean, gravel traps 
made it conducive to some passing. Yeah, I think you take risks that you wouldn't normally take when there's gravel kind of on the... I mean, you think about Barcelona, you know, there's a lot of places you could try to overtake on the outside of Barcelona with those long, long rights and lefts. Um, and then compare it to what you just saw where, you know, if you make a mistake, as has happened in, in turn one, uh, everybody can escape effectively um, with no charge. Uh, whereas if that happened in a gravel trap situation, um, like at turn one in Austin, uh, if that turn one incident had happened at Austin, uh, as happened today, you'd all be in the gravel trap at the top of the hill. You know, I'd like to see that. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe that is something to consider having fewer gravel traps, uh, but strictly at the end of a high-speed run. You know, the turn one here at the Circuit of the Americas, the, the end of the big straightaway. Those I totally get gravel traps. Uh, turn 18, turn 19. Uh, what about, you know, and, and turn 19 is one of the ones here where it's got a deceptive turn and a lot of people shoot wide on the exit here. Uh, the, the imagine what that would be like. Yeah, the problem is uh, you then get into a situation of track limits, as we saw with Verstappen uh, going on the inside at uh, 18 here at Austin uh, last year, where, you know, it encourages people to break the rules and then you're getting five-second penalties here and there. And, and I don't know if that's good or conducive to, you know, a great race display when suddenly everybody's been penalised. So Hey, the stewards are paid well. <laughs> this is true. Hey, speaking of five-second penalties, early in the race, we saw Vettel uh, hit Botas and incurred a five-second penalty. And we were debating right at the moment whether or not that should have been a five-second penalty. I didn't think it was because uh, racing incident is what I would call that because it was the first corner. Uh, Vettel did a, actually got past Botas at the run down towards turn one and Botas just left, it, left his braking till the very last moment. Vettel turned in uh, and by that time Botas was past him again and Vettel just nudged him. I mean, I, you know, other than slamming on everything and risking losing several places or being hit from behind, I don't know really what Vettel could have done. I don't know. When I saw it from the aerial shot, from the helicopter shot, I thought it looked like it was clearly a Vettel problem and uh, Vettel to blame. But I, I know what you mean. It, and it's always, how many of these things are, are completely cut and dry? Probably, what, about 20%, 30%. I'm watching pictures of ESPN with the monkey no longer on Verstappen's back. He's actually holding it above his head. You know what? Speaking well, of what, that. What is the uh, the gorilla or the monkey on the trophy? Come on I, now. I, I have really no idea. It's a, a, you know, the French, you know, it's either a cock, <laughs> a, a monkey, you know, the national <laughs> emblem is a cock. So, you know. There you go. Well, We're not getting political here, are we? No, no. La coq sportif. So speaking of Verstappen, right, he had a great race today because he, he was had a nice mature race. In fact, I want to play one of the team radio clips from Verstappen because it was right there towards the end of the race. It was Christian Horner congratulating him. Let's hear this team radio from Verstappen. What up, Max? That's yeah, another clean weekend. Pretty good. Yeah, that was not that. Um, <clears throat> first sin was a little bit more difficult, but then the second sin was really good. Also, the tires were holding on a lot better. Well, uh, Max, that was a good uh, good drive. Well, uh, avoided that incident in the first corner as well. So, uh, really good drive. Thank you, Christian. Another good weekend with uh, a lot of points, so that's good. Do I have to send my goodbyes now, or do I see you at the podium? You will, you will not see me at the podium. We will uh, have to sadly say our goodbyes now, Max. Uh, <laughs> I'll certainly be at the podium, Max, so don't you worry. Awesome, awesome. All right, um, GP, everyone else is leaving safe travels. Thanks, mate. It's been emotional. 
All's good in the uh, oh, Red Bull camp. Uh, you know, they've had their come to, um, yeah, come to come to Christian moment. I see what I did there. I didn't even know yeah. I did it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, uh, but both Canada and uh, this weekend here in France, and now they've got back to back to back, uh, Britain and Austria, uh, Austrian Britain, excuse me, and um, you've got to hope that he's turned the corner. And clearly, Les, they've, they, they've, the, you know, the, the, the situation at Red Bull, they've signed themselves to Verstappen. He is their man for the future. Uh, we don't know what Ricardo's going to do. He'll probably stick around, but uh, the, the rumour is 20 million they've given him. I think, uh, I think it's a good time to be friends. You think that's enough to live on? He'll get by. I guess he will. I guess he will. You're right. Max has come through. I'm seeing maturity. You know, we kept saying, you know, how long are we going to give him breaks for these uh, these offs and, and these encounters that he has during the race? And I, I think he's showing it. There's a lot of lessons learned. Uh, he's certainly been in the circumstances to learn them anyway. All right, boys. Who is your driver of the race? I just saw who F1 said the driver of the race is, and I disagree. Who do you think? All right, Les, what do you got? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Vettel. Vettel had the opportunity to really have some ugliness, and he did. And even though he got that five-second penalty, he did some fantastic driving. Okay. Jonathan? Raikkonen. I agree with you, F1, Jonathan, and Les. I forgot this is radio. I'm pointing. Unless <laughs> F1, F1 agrees. I can see you pointing. I'd still take that barrier off, will you? <laughs> Formula One agrees with you, Les. The driver of the day, according to Formula One, and, and I'm assuming that's a fan vote, then is Sebastian Vettel. But I thought Raikkonen. I mean, I see it. Uh, but, but Vettel did not have a great weekend. He had admittedly himself said earlier in qualifying, he said, I, I didn't do well. And I know it's driver of the day and it's a race. Oh, I was going to say, wait, what are we, you said for the weekend or the race? Which one did you ask for? But I, you know, he had a, he had a five second penalty and I thought Raikkonen, I think, like you said, Jonathan, Raikkonen needed a good race. Yeah. He had a good race. Uh, why do you say that Raikkonen needed a good race? Uh, because he's, uh, the Ferrari obviously stepped forward. Um, we've seen that Vettel's victories over the last few months have proved that. That's why he was he's closed in and 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 you know narrowed in on on Hamilton, losing some points today. But clearly Ferrari have come to play for the championship. Uh, they've led the championship already. They're not now. Uh, but Raikkonen, it's, there's been no talk about Raikkonen in the championship. And in fact, it's all been about Raikkonen losing his job um, to a, a younger guy like Leclerc. So, um, you know, I still think at 38, you know, I think of Rossi at 38. I think of, you know, some of the footballers that are up there that are playing yeah. above their time. And Raikkonen frankly, is as fast as I think he's ever been. And, um, you know, he's showed some really ballsy moves today uh, of the Raikkonen of old. And, I, you know, I mean, you know, I'm a bit of a, a sap. I like to see, you know, I like to see a nice poetic end to somebody's um, big career. And I don't think he's done yet. Raikkonen could, could easily... Um, go somewhere else? Could even even go somewhere like Haas. Yeah, it's the first thing that popped in my head. I don't know why, but, yeah. I mean, why not? I talk about experience. Yeah, they want somebody to help set up drive, how to set up cars and chassis and everything else. <laughs> Raikkonen's got a bit of experience. That'd be awesome. Stop it! Stop awesome. it! Stop it! Stop it! They they do that too much on uh, on Formula One, and, and I don't want to go into that. It's just ridiculous. And even though I just did it at the last show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a quote from Max Verstappen. Uh, he said, "I tried to follow Lewis. I had a good race. It's good to be on the podium." And that's hey, maturity that you want to see. I will say I like the colors on the podium. All three of the top three teams there. Yep. Uh, keeps the season alive. Showed the uh, showed how competitive things are this season. 
So uh, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, this, so. I, I said it before, uh, this three-week period, it's the first time ever in the history of Formula One we've had back-to-back-to-back, three races in a row. That's right, we hadn't talked about it's that. It's a very, very tough week, uh, a few weeks, because you're going effectively from here all the way to Austria, Austria to Britain, and completely different racetracks, all three. Um, it's going to be interesting. And I think the answers to our question, which is how far have Mercedes moved forward with their new engine package, how close are Ferrari to them, how far have Honda come, and so on. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll be answered after these three. And then we get into, you know, Monza and the summer, and, you know, it kind of, it spa, very different races. So... Hey, if you want to uh, join the conversation, tell us who you thought was the driver of the day. You yeah. can call us, 512-643-LIVE, 512-643-5483. And so what about down the grid a little bit? Obviously, Charles Leclerc finishing in Boom. the points, guys. Hey, I mean, you know, you're right. Might have to uh, put him as a runner-up. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're in that car, I mean, we saw how when he got past, that car did not have the straight-line speed of the cars around him. So finishing finishing 10th is a huge accomplishment. And again, the rental cars been fast all year. And I said it to you guys during the race, is that to me, the Haas and the rental cars are the closest uh, midfield teams and maybe the fastest midfield teams. And as far as head-to-head competition, they seem like very similar speed cars. I have a point to make, Magnussen, 10th now overall in the driver's standings at 27 points, just one behind Carlos Sanz, and not that far behind Fernando Alonso, who I think will be on a beach somewhere soon. Uh, 32 points, Fernando in eighth position. Magnussen, with his back-to-back-to-back races, uh, could come out of Britain um, in the top eight. Yeah. All right, well, I got to pull out. And by all means, I'm a Fernando Well, indicate if you're going to pull out. There you go. (laughs) Tap the brakes a few times. Fernando. Thank you, I saw you now. Go. Fernando, has he checked out? Will you say that now? Will you you agree? Can you hear the guns, Fernando? (laughs) Yes. I like what you said during the race, Jonathan. I said, man, Alonzo, what's he doing? He's so slow back there. What what did you say? He He was was doing two-seater rides (laughs) for his teammates at Toyota, I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I didn't see the aggressiveness and the smoothness that he's got around all the things that, that I'd say was there. I kind of think he's just going through the motions. Yeah, to be honest, um, joking aside, he pretty much summed it up himself during the race to the team. Yeah, let's hear from Fernando Alonso, Team Radio. Mate, I have no brakes, no tires. We are out of the points. I mean, we try to do whatever, but I don't care too much about Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, you can plan to do whatever. We got the wrong tires. We're out of the points. You can plan whatever you like. I'm really not that bothered. He may as well wore Melania's jacket. And, and they were, <laughs> and, and I think they're in real trouble because that radio sounded like a 1970 Radio Shack CB radio. Yeah, I, I saw the uh, you know the glass tubes lighting up. God. So, uh, <laughs> I tell you, in all seriousness, it's getting sad, actually. Um, and I, I think that we're seeing the writing on the wall. He's, he's, he's either going to stay with McLaren and go to Indy, which I actually think might be a smart move, and stay around in an ambassador role, if not do some Grand Prix next year. Um, you know, you might see something radical like bringing Lando Norris in 
uh, with uh, Fernando as his mentor there and then during the races. He continues with Weck. Uh, he does a full season of Indy if McLaren do decide to go as we've heard. And by the way, we've heard they could be doing it with Andretti or Ray Hall Lanigan uh, racing. Yeah, I was going to say, McLaren's not the only place in Indy that he's talking about going. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about McLaren joining forces oh, with Ray yeah, Hall yeah, sorry, and, yes. or Andretti. I, I, yeah. I, I mentioned Andretti the other mm-hmm. week. Anyway, the point is, I, I think that radio thing said it all, don't you think, Les? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it, it's it, to me, I just really feel like I'm seeing this. I don't think I'm making it up. I'm seeing, you know, just his uh, exasperation over everything that's happening that is beyond his control. Well, and everywhere else he goes, he touches gold. At the Indy 500, he led for 60 laps, 50 laps, whatever it was, but he could have won it. Uh, he goes to Le Mans, and okay, Toyota were in a, uh, you know, an yeah. advantage this year, but so what? You still got to drive the car. And by the way, he was setting the fastest sectors in some of those laps. Oh, yeah. Faster than Buani and Nakajimi. Yeah. Nakajimi, Nakajima. Yeah. Hey, Les, you brought up earlier about you like the colors on the podium, right? Well, this is uh, three different teams on the podium for the fifth time in six races this year. We've, I mean, we... We've had some, we had a couple of boring races. Okay, let's say it like it is. Sure. But for the season overall, it's been pretty exciting to see the championship. And, you know, it's it's not been Mercedes dominant all year. But, I mean, they were uh, Ferrari leading the championship on and off. So, yeah, it's been a pretty good season so far. Well, and I think this sets you up for a lot of things. The season will last longer amongst these races. When we start crowning champions three or four races before the season's over, I think the audience checks out. I think you're right. And we've seen it happen at Austin, to be honest. Um, we've had, in the first few years of Austin, we had real championship fights between Rosberg and Hamilton going all the way. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been pretty much over, but for the fat lady singing. And uh, I think, um, which is an expression, by the way, ladies, just a, just a thought. <laughs> it's an opera singer. Just, just yes, that straight. They're, they're supposed to be heavy ladies. They're opera singers. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I, I agree with you, Les. I think uh, I, I think this one's going to be a cracker. And by the time we get to Austin, it's going to be fever pitch. I think uh, there's going to be no way anybody's going to have checked out um, by Austin. Good point. Good point. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, his third win of 2018 to match Sebastian Vettel's tally of three wins in 2018. And of course, he leads the championship by leads Vettel by 14 points in the championship. All right, what else? So down the grid, guys. Uh, any other teams? Any yeah, other? just just to ask you a question. Um, you know, there was a lot of um, hoopla about Mercedes' new engine. Um, did we see it today? I did. Ha- I mean, you know, uh, how much more effective than Ferrari were they? I mean, it sure. I mean, when Lewis got out in front, it's the last we heard. I mean, but, but that was because Botas and Vettel came together. And I mean, you know, it played it's into true, it. It's true. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's kind of hard to tell, right? right? When you get out front like that and Botas coming through the, the, the grid like he did, I don't know. It's kind of hard to judge that engine today. I'm going to say, no, we did not see okay. what it could do. Uh, yes, we had straightaways. Yes, we had, you know, the Botas uh, coming together. But nobody, you know, Lewis was never challenged. We don't know how that pairs up. He's out running by himself. We don't know if he was completely flooring it or not. Well, we certainly didn't hear any sort of desperate cries of what are we doing or, you know, it was it was faultless. We never. It I don't was, think I've ever heard any Hamilton radio. He asked, came on the radio at the beginning of the race and said, any damage, which was a strange question to ask. He should know. But anyway, um, they said, nope, it all happened behind you. On you go. So, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty perfect day. Yeah, I'm going to say, uh, you know, it was, as I said, faultless and, and just cruise. He was on cruise control. Well, yeah. speaking of He team- never got a lot of pressure. Even uh, the virtual safety car 
uh, you know, we were watching that and the virtual safety car, considering Magnuson may have not slowed down 40%. Yeah, I don't know. I never, uh, I never saw any steward action on that. But uh, speaking of Haas and team radio, I want to play a team radio from uh, Roman Grosjean just because I kind of liked it. Let's hear from Roman Grosjean. Box now, Roman. Box now. We have five-second penalty. Box now. For what? Something at the start. We'll sort it after the race. That's a f- joke. <laughs> now, if you don't speak French, he was frustrated. <laughs> uh, that's funny. You know, when you say a four-letter word in the United States, oh, he's speaking French. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. There All right, boys, go. Well, let's, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to wrap up the French Grand Prix. And what else did you want? We we're going to go to something. All right, Les has got something really special for us after the break. I don't know what it is. All right, you listening to Speed City? Les has always got something special. Live from Some say Austin. I am special. <laughs> back after these messages. <laughs> The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Talk 1370. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City, coming to a circuit near you in October. October 20th, Bruno Mars and Britney Spears. Want a bit of, another little bit of news from the Constructors' Championship. Haas have moved to seventh, one point behind Force India. And I said after this three-week period, we could see Haas move ahead of Force India and start to chase down McLaren. And I think it's going to happen. They're already seventh in the overall Constructors on 27 points, one point behind Force India. You know, I never heard why Grosjean spun in Q3 qualifying. You know, he, he ended up 10th in qualifying, That's right? That's right. I never heard, in fact... Uh, to be honest, well, yeah, I think I know. Well, I was just going to say, uh, well, then you... Because you know more than I do, because all he said was, he said, I did nothing different. I came at the same speed, you know, everything, and the car just went around on him. I think he was too hard on the curb on the inside, which just threw the balance of the car to the left, which basically lost him grip just temporarily, and that 
that just that basically put him in an unbalanced car, and when he when he kind of touched the ground again, it spun him around. And That's you know, what I think. And he said he couldn't get it in reverse, and that impact. I thought, okay, when you have an impact, you never know what could shift in the in the car sure. to keep you from getting in reverse, right? But there, the impact was barely enough to break the front wing. So I don't know why he couldn't get in reverse because, in theory, he still had enough time. It was pretty early in qualifying. All right, but you got to realize it's not just mechanical linkage; it's software, it's electronic. Could have been a spike in voltage or whatever. Well, why are they putting the computer? in the nose of the car. That's just the wrong uh, I don't think it. that's where it was. I think that's just All what right, happens. What, what else about today's race? Uh, looking down the grid a little bit. Carlos Sainz finishing eighth. Looking good. And I, uh, and, and I know that... Well, what are you going to say about Sainz? Well, not necessarily Sainz. I go towards the, uh, the engines. Red Bull. Are you sure? You want to change for next year? Hmm? It's yeah. A, yeah, I tell you, th this is a subject we can we can talk long and hard about because, uh, and if you haven't heard, um, basically Red Bull, uh, who yeah. have had have had uh, Renault engines for the last decade and won four titles with Renault as a partner, have decided to turn their back on Renault, uh, having been offered the engine, uh, and go with Honda, who are currently with their sister team, Toro Rosso, uh, and for Canada, they finally got to do back-to-back -back comparisons because they had the Renault, Toro Rosso had the, um, um, uh, effectively, the, the same engine uh, or an upgrade engine. And so they said, right, uh, the real reason I think behind it is twofold. One, I think their relationship is kind of frazzled out. Uh, and two, um, they've, it's a two-year deal before all engines will come under a new law uh, at 21. So really, Honda have got no, nothing to lose in that respect. Plus, it's a works team. They're not a customer anymore. So they can work together uh, and effectively, um, you know, uh, move forward. And I think the disunison that uh, Honda had with McLaren will be the opposite with Red Bull. I think it's the disgruntled girlfriend in Renault saying... <laughs> I'm going to make you jealous now. Okay. True. Could All be. Right. All right. We, we're going to find out what Larry thinks about it. we got a caller, Larry from Georgia. Larry, welcome to the show. How's it going today? Well, I really just started, got my truck out of the shop. That's why I missed part of your pre-race show, I must confess. But I was glad to be able to catch all of it, you know, all the race and everything. And uh, to me, this was a race of opportunities, both capitalized on and missed. I think... Um, Kevin Magnuson really capitalized on an opportunity presented to him with the crash of, of, of Boltaz and Vettel. And then Roman Grosjean didn't capitalize on the opportunity. Plus, his shunt uh, was able to catch the replay uh, this morning on ESPN of the qualifying to see his shunt there in, in uh, the, the, the final qualifying session. And I, I think it was a lost opportunity for him and an excellent opportunity capitalized on by Magnuson, as well as for Stop to have a substandard power plant on a circuit with that long of straightaways and essentially being a sitting duck to the high-speed cars of Ferrari and Mercedes and still hang on for a second. He really made the most of, of everything that he had. Plus, Magnuson's start was phenomenal for him to shoot up that many spots. And then you touched on the problem with Red Bull and Renault engines, and I'm reminded of way back in the day, the argument between Sauber and BMW. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. There you go. I mean, and, and it, that, that's the same thing McLaren and Honda were fighting out. And, and, and BMW said our horsepower is fine. Your chassis is deficient. Sauber says our chassis is fine. You don't have enough horsepower. And there the is Dell standing in the middle going, wait a minute. <laughs> Remember that was when Dell had the big logo. Yeah. 
Right, exactly right. And then you find out that Honda was probably right that McLaren's chassis was deficient, although they don't have the horsepower of a Mercedes or a Ferrari, but they should be respectable. And if they weren't respectable, Red Bull's excellent chassis wouldn't be able to do well with them next year, which is what they anticipate, you know, to have that work hand-in-hand with Honda, who had great success early on with McLaren and Ayrton Senna. They know what needs to be done. And to have a willing and able partner with a great chassis to work with them, I think that's going to portend great things in the future for both Red Bull and Toro Rosso. But it was a great race if you just ignored Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> well, Larry, I think we're done with the show. I think you've just covered all well, of yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking we need to recruit Larry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Larry, how did you uh, how'd you get into Formula One? I was stationed in Europe for seven years. And um, I was really got into Formula One, especially with uh, the late Shields Villeneuve. Wow, yeah. that was him when he was racing Alouette snowmobiles in the early 70s, and especially his first year in snow pro with that uh, Alouette, that twin-track Alouette snowmobile with his home-built gearbox that looked like a Formula 5000 car. <laughs> it was a phenomenal <laughs> snowmobile. <laughs> And, and, of course, the rest is history. God rest him, a brilliant, brilliant talent taken away from him. And if you do some digging, his brother, Jacques, I think, still races. <laughs> hey, he probably races. He's like all race drivers. He races whatever he's in. Whatever that comes around. Well, Jacques yeah. grew up in Switzerland, actually, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, doesn't surprise me. Hey, Larry, have you been to uh, the U.S. Grand Prix here in Austin at Circuit of the Americas? No, I've never been to the racetrack. Well, how do you, you know how to year? get there? Well, of course, I'm a truck driver. I know where everything is. <laughs> well, uh, we got some tickets for you, Larry. So uh, we're going to give you a couple tickets to the race here in Austin, October 22nd, here in Austin, Texas, at Circuit of the Americas. Well, we got a terminal in Texas I can leave my truck at and rent <laughs> a car, and the wife's charge card be down. <laughs> <laughs> right answer. <laughs> hey, well, tell her Bruno Mars and Britney Spears will be there, so you should bring her. <laughs> Well, uh, well, my wife would rather watch paint dry than watch a race. <laughs> <laughs> well, she can she can ogle at uh, Bruno Mars then. Sit with my wife. <laughs> well, she never is in the truck with me, so uh, it's just me in the truck by myself, me and my satellite radio. We get along perfectly well. We never argue, and I really enjoy your show, and I enjoy the racing. I really, truly do enjoy the F1 racing. Uh, thank you for everything. Oh, well, thanks, Larry. I appreciate thanks, Larry. Hey, hang on the line. We're going to get your number so we can uh, get you those tickets. Okay, sirs, and thank you ever so much. God bless you. Stay tuned. Right. Thank you, buddy. All right. That's cool. We seem to be uh, drawing in a lot of folks like that. Say, but it is. This is great. Larry knew the history. Yep. He knew a lot of it. And, uh, you know, it, it's great from George in our earlier show, who is a newcomer to it from NASCAR. Yep. And so, hey, it's all over. You know, like the racers will race anything. I'm learning that uh, race fans will listen to just about any motorsport race. All right. Well, Jonathan, what about the uh, down the grid? We were trying to cover some of the other stories that we hadn't talked about yet. Obviously, uh, Carlos Sainz and Nico Hulkenberg finishing eighth and ninth. I, I I continue to be underwhelmed by Nico, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, he's a Le Mans winner. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's done. He still hasn't had a podium in Formula One. Uh, and I'm just, I, you know, I, I know Renault aren't the the top team, but I just, I just feel like, you know, we're, we're talking about Charles Leclerc. 
this weekend. We talked about Brendan Hartley. These are guys that, you know, you're always expecting something. I mean, did anybody mention Hulkenberg in the lead-up to this race and what he might do? Carlos Sainz, you know, it's his first season in Renault. You know, he's learning everything, uh, but he's doing performing well. I'd like to see the back-to-back comparison between the two of them, actually, uh-huh. uh, both in qualifying and uh, races, because um, in many ways, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking the knife in, but it's that time of the year, folks. Uh, we're starting to see the silly season start yep. early. Uh, who's going where? Is Raikkonen retiring and Leclerc getting his job? And if so, where's you know who's going where? Renault are going forward as a company, and now with one less customer, things will be probably stronger for Renault. Um, and I do think they want to be the number one Renault engine car, of course. Um, and now, uh, you know, things are getting interesting. And I just uh, I just wonder where Hulkenberg is in, in all this big scene. Well, he's had a pretty decent 2018. Let me just I mean, no podium, right? But he's Australia he's seventh. seventh. Yep. Uh, Bahrain, six, China, six, DNF, DNF, uh, eighth in Monaco, seventh in Canada, and ninth in France. Then I'm being, maybe I'm being too too harsh on him. I don't know. And it, actually, when you compare him to Carlos Sainz, 10, 11, 9, 5, 7, 10. Uh, in eight, his eight, first eight. season. Yeah, it's true. In his first season. Yeah, that's a good point. Obviously, they, they got a good car. The car's fast. They've proven that over and over. So, okay. Well, let's draw in two names. Okay, we're talking about 2019. We've said that uh, Alonzo may have checked out. <laughs> may? Yeah. May. Month of May. That's where he's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Ric- yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ricardo is uh, is really undetermined at the moment. Yeah, that's the really interesting one. I've got a feeling he's going to be sticking around, to be honest. Um, if I, I had to bet money, that's I'd say he'd stay. But yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think he would, but McLaren is needing some new blood. It's a risk. Really? You'd leave McL- you'd leave no, I, I Red Bull to go it to McLaren? Depends how many zeros that check has on it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll step out here. I was quite vociferous about McLaren's woes before and how British they are. Ricardo won't fit into the McLaren team. Uh, mm. That's a good point. It's hmm. just not his culture. It wasn't Alonso's culture. So if you're Ferrari, do you, do you want Leclerc over Ricardo? Probably, uh, because you've got Vettel. And Vettel would be intimidated and probably push too hard from Ricardo, and you would have a battle royal between the pair of them, and you'd have a fallout. I think you're right because it's not just that you have that number one driver; it's specifically Vettel. Because I think yeah. we saw what he did with Mark Webber, yeah, and it was not pretty. Yeah, and, and so yeah, Raikkonen's a good, a good foil for him at the end of his career. Um, Leclerc is a young guy coming up, and Ferrari, you know, that's a good good story. You need a, a good young, fast guy. But um, I don't think uh, Ricardo, uh, who would demand a lot of money, uh, I, I mean, it it would be a lovely fit for the Tifosi, for the Ferrari fans. He effectively is, um, you know, ancestry-wise, um, with the name Ricardo. He also runs, he has his own uh, karting shop in Italy, um, does um, Daniel Ricardo? You know, he's, he's well-connected to his uh, Italian roots and I think yes it would be a lovely thing to see him go to Ferrari but while Vettel's there I think it's going to be difficult alright well we're going to continue this discussion after a quick break you're listening to Speed City live in Austin back after these messages The Austin East KOA Campground, just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing at Decker Lake. Featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. 
Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. I was letting that music play. I love that song. From my youth. He played at uh, Circuit Americas himself. He one did. Of the, one of the originals. Yeah. yeah, he was right before they went to the huge names. I guess he was right before Britney Spears. Yeah, I think so. No, I mean, no. no, no. Uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor excuse Swift, me. Yeah. All those young pop stars are the same to me. So, sorry. Nah. Hey, it was, a, it was a great race today in the French Grand Prix compared especially to the last couple of weeks. I think everybody should be happy with that. I think the people that had to wait, uh, I heard some pretty horror stories about getting into the racetrack hours and hours. I think what I hear, like four or five hours to go seven kilometers. And <clears throat> somebody was tweeting I out. I to walk that fast. Ah, you pr- absolutely, you could. Somebody was tweeting out about how, I think it was, I think it was the USGP or the US F1 USA Twitter account tweeted about how Austin did such a good job. Do you guys remember how the press, it was like a month before the first Austin race, and right. the press was predicting 12-hour commutes. And the all the local authorities in the Circuit of the Americas got together, and they planned that thing out. And I think the average, I remember people telling us that they came in and it took them 30 minutes from downtown. Yeah, I know, uh, I know after the race, uh, the following week, I had somebody tell me that it took them three hours to get out of one of the parking lots and back into downtown Austin. And I said, well, you should have stayed for the show. I stayed for the show, and it took me 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, but getting out, uh, and especially in the worst-case scenario, because we talked to people live on the radio that oh, were yeah. leaving the circuit that year, and the worst that we were hearing about was about an hour or two. But there were some uh, that were two or three hours. Anyway, all right, French Grand Prix was fantastic, but I got some other stories that we want to talk about. There's some things happened during the week, like, for example, Red Bull committing to Honda, uh, but there's also some, there's plenty of good stories. Jonathan, you had one that's caught my eye that you put in our notes. You said five ideas for Formula One. And you caught my eye with that. I want to hear what you were, where you were going with that bad boy. Yeah. Um, there's a, I mean, gosh, uh, Liberty uh, literally had the world at their feet. Um, they could do what they will with their $8 billion um, investment. Um, but I think there's a few things that they're already putting in place um, that look towards the future. The changing of the rules, as we know, uh, trying to create a situation where there's more overtaking. Um, but on the periphery of Formula One, I'd like to see the boot boosting of TV even further than it already is. They've already gone into the digital market, which I'm really pleased with. Uh, in we're a now huge seeing, way. In a huge way. We're now seeing Will Buxton doing Twitter shows. We're now seeing uh, OTT. OTT. We're now seeing a lot more coverage. Huge YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. Um, and I, I long may it continue. And I think more access, the, more, yeah, the there has to be almost a reset. We went far too far down the paywall 
with Formula One, which is popular in Europe to the point where Sky and so on and the fans in Britain are willing to pay. But when you look at this market and maybe South America and even um, Canada, I think you've got to open it right up and, 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 and compete against NFL and NBA um, and ball, stick and ball sports full stop um, and really make it part of the... I mean, soccer has done it. I was just going to say, there's your roadmap right, right there. Despite the fact that the USA are not in the World Cup right now, it's wall-to-wall. The coverage is second to none. The guests, the speakers are Americans, are Europeans, uh, are ex-footballers from Europe. They are uh, current footballers from the MLS. Um, You know, and and we need to do all of that. I want to see ESPN do something similar. There you go. I, uh, you know, the things to change. I think the business behind F1 has to change. We've been hearing about that and teams with not much money and teams with a whole lot of money, how they want things changed. But uh, go one step further. If we're trying to develop an audience, I think, uh, you know, you ought to have a five, five-year five development plan, as you said, free to TV in the new market, free to, you know, do more of that, see it, give somebody a taste of it, and hey, it's worth spending a well, little bit and going with it. Yeah, and one of the things that, uh, you know, we love the NBC guys' coverage, but the one thing that has happened with ESPN is that you're getting organic. When you walk into sports bars and restaurants now, they have ESPN on already, and you're right. getting people seeing, especially like at Canada. I had people telling me, oh, yeah, I just walked into a restaurant, and it was playing because yeah. they had on ESPN, and you wouldn't have had on whatever version of sure. NBC at a sports bar. And the bottom line is, you know, now we've got the sort of um, emergence of sports betting. Um, you know, I mean, frankly, Americans, <laughs> give, give them something to, to get excited about. Give them a an either or, a bad guy and a good guy. Uh, these guys have always won. It's the Patriots versus the Cowboys, whatever it might be. Give them a rivalry, something to get their teeth into, which is why the pundits are needed. We need to explain. We need to set up the races. We need to do more of this, but Formula One is perfect for this. It's glamour, it's aggression, it's money, it's competition, it, you know, it's life, it's, lives, it's, it's technology, it's lives on the line, um, it's fantastic uh, competition, it's totally global, and let's face it, the World Cup teaches us that. When you see Senegal and uh, Iceland in the World Cup, um, you know, a lot of people have never heard of some of these places, and yet they're becoming household names. Yeah, if people don't realize how big the Formula One audience is, it's second to soccer globally. Yep. And what, on any given Sunday, a half a billion people are watching it on yep. television? Exactly. I mean, if you're in the United States, you go, wow, I, I mean, I, I've heard of Formula One, I didn't, you know, but I think that's, that, that's huge. And we've got to capitalize on that and show people here in the United States this amazing sport. I lived in Hong Kong in China uh, effectively before uh, the Shanghai Grand Prix took hold and before Asia became, you know, a hot blood for, for Formula One races. And we on Star TV, as it was then, were showing Formula One and it was Schumacher's era. And I, I would go to Beijing or, you know, to Shanghai. Schumacher. They knew Schumacher. That was it. It was proliferating. And now, of course, they've got their own drivers. Uh, and we'll see more Chinese drivers. Guang Yu Zhao is coming through uh, in Formula 3 ranks. And he's a Ferrari Academy driver. Um, we're going to see more Asians. Um, we're going to see more um, different cultures involved in Formula 1. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a totally global sport. And it's a great way, just like soccer, of of, of kind of, you know, bringing pe- folks together and, and, and creating a global competitive market. All right, but and to me, one of the things that uh, to go one for one further step about free to air and things like that, 
What about the venue? What about the in-person experiences? I think, honestly, that's improved from a spectator standpoint. But from a business standpoint, well, now we're hearing other styles of deals with venues. What's that going to do? Does uh, Liberty have to step back and go, okay, wait a minute, guys. Yeah, we just gave somebody a really killer deal and everybody knows it. Uh, you're going to have to come back and that's renegotiate Circuit of America. You're going to have to do these others. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, Jonathan, you were talking about this. I mean, we said it the first first news we heard of Miami. We got the, immediately got the mayor of Miami on and at, tried to figure out, tried to find out more about this deal and couldn't. But but to your point, Les, I think Jonathan had was talking about this a bunch where uh, they're going to have a problem if they try to give them that deal and not everybody but else. This is the changing of the model. Then that these this is a commercial company, Liberty, and I think the aspects that they will focus on. And I was just about to get to the point I want to make, um, but yes, I, I think the deals where effectively um, tracks pay an inordinate amount of money to get the race and really don't get anything from it. And in fact, the figures prove it: eighty thousand uh, in your stands on Sunday doesn't give you a return and even 200,000 fans over a period of three days still doesn't give you a return equal to what you've actually had to fork out for the rights fee. And um, that's the way it's been done for the last the way it's been done forever, for years. Right? Mm -hmm. And that money is used, as is the TV money, to pay the teams, to basically make the teams run on these $400 million, $300 million, um, you know, budgets that you see the teams run. And that's how the model's been run. It's one, it's been effective. But we're getting into a new era now. We're getting into a new thing. And, and I was about to move on to the merchandising of Formula One and the personalizing of uh, Formula One from from that side of things, whether it be uh, clothing, whether it be hats, whether it be, um, you know, just the initials of a driver, uh, getting people behind. Indy have done it brilliantly. MotoGP have done it brilliantly. You look at a MotoGP crowd, it's either yellow, red, blue. It's, it's basically, you know, it's tribal. And we can do that in Formula One. One idea, another idea. One car rather than two. If you're worried about the escalating costs, which everybody are, why not? Why does it have to be a two-car team? You know, Formula One, we talked about Bernie Ecclestone in the pre-race show, how he did such a great job of the sport itself. But the commercialization of the sport has been fit as, as a miserable failure, really, until now with Liberty, with Sean Bratches, who we're going to talk to in a couple of weeks about just this exact thing, about what all they're doing to commercialize. And, and if they do that, then they won't have to charge Circuit of the Americas $30 million and make them have 250,000 people to break even with tickets. Or and, not. Yeah, or, or not even break even. And how much beer do you have to sell and whatever else to uh, and beer and FM radios? to, to, uh, to And to also, like I said, we've said this in the past, it goes against all other forms of sport promotion in this country. Um, you know, if you're only picking up the burger costs, if you're only getting ticket costs and burger costs, yeah, it's really hard. Whereas, you know, you look at boxing, you look at... Uh, yeah, American football, you look at basketball, you know, I mean, I can't think that uh, the San Antonio Spurs struggle to get a return on their investment. Do you? Oh, I don't think so. I think that is, that's crazy. And, and it's not done by, I don't think, I'm assuming soccer's not done that way. Any other sport around the world was no. not done this way. And, you know, it was so crazy because the way that the other criticism, the massive criticism that I would have, the way it used to be done, because how many people here in Austin said, oh, Formula One, it's gone. It's no longer in Austin because of the way Bernie used to uh, negotiate in the press. When there was any, right. if Dakota would try to come back to them and say, 
remember the year we had the giant yeah. weather debacle. And yeah. so I know Coda probably went back to him, hey, can you guys give help us, us out. A, help yeah. us out a little bit on this arrangement? And Bernie's response to that is he probably called you know, his buddies at, at, at whatever media outlet and said, well, Coda can't afford their, their, their payment this year. We're not going to have it this year. And so everybody here in the United States, we're not used to that. We hear that and go, oh, Formula One's gone. It's like, that's crazy because then all those people, there's still people here in Austin that thought Formula One was not going to happen. And Bernie's not going back to the teams and going, hey, where would you like to go this year? Yeah. That, that's my point, is that if I were Dell, if I were McLaren, if I were the, you know, McLaren Enterprise and I'm looking for sponsors, if I'm Shell uh, on the Ferrari car, you know, I, I need to be in this market. I need to be where, where my product is being shown. I got a good segue for that. Um, need to be in this market, need to be in the United States. I saw a really cool, this was, I think, right, right at Canada, but Mercedes-AMG um, Motorsport teamed up with, partnered with Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Did you see that last, Mr. That's working awesome. the technology world on and off? But yeah. yeah, I mean, that is a great American company. Started in Palo Alto. With, 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 with who? who? It, HP, Hewlett Packard. Yes, no, but who, who they talked Oh, with Mercedes. Yeah. And it was, it's one of their divisions, right? Um, it's the Hewlett Packard Enterprise division, but still they're partnering with an American company. And the reason, one, one of the reasons is that they did like Dell did, is that now Mercedes, if you go through their, uh, all their technology, it's all powered by HP now. That's right. And it is one of those things that, you know, a lot of folks don't realize what's behind the scenes. What are the, what are all those other names? You see a whole list of names when you look at these guys, uh, their suits, their cars, just everything. You know, some of them are not as as big and bold. You know, that one of the ones that being a watch junkie, I love seeing that embroidery watch on uh, Botas and Lewis's gloves. Every every time you see it right there. What's the manufacturer? IWG. That's right. And also uh, Hugo Boss, uh, talking to Mercedes and whatever. They've had a huge, um, you know, association with the clothing uh, and therefore they clothe their drivers at uh, parties and so on in Hugo Boss. And it's been a long and established relationship, which which bodes well. Jack Jones are with Haas. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, like you say, play in the background that are so important to this business of, of, of Formula One. All right, guys, well, let's take another quick break. I do want to thank our uh, one of our listeners, Andy. He said he's been listening. He said, he said hey, let's, let's have more people like Larry, a great fan and a great call. He said, I hope to meet you in Austin, Larry, when you come down. You called earlier. Hey, awesome. So, uh, all right, let's take a, a speed city party. There you go. All right, we're going to take a quick break back after these short messages. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 Envy Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of Envy Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. The racetrack, it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. 
Austin exotic iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Top 1370. Hi, Brendan Hartley. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. We are live in Austin, Texas. Did he do enough today? Brendan Hartley? Yeah. No. I don't know. I don't, I'm going to say no. Unfortunately, I really want him to. Gosh, you know, we want gotta, him to. But They've got to be. They're smarter guys than us in Formula One, right? they got to see what we've been talking well, about. You heard, well, you heard my, my I stood on my, my soapbox. soapbox this morning uh, and told you. Brennan Harley is gold. You got to keep him. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm assuming some of the people that are in F1 and on that team are going to go. All right, we're smart enough to realize this. Not just these radio goofy guys. Well, that- and and you know, I I think back to uh, you know Jorge Lorenzo on the Ducati. What do we need to change for you to feel confident in your car? Yeah. Partly. We, is, need, to, is we there, need to take the ball peen hammer and change the shape of the tank a little bit, and then you win the next three races. Yeah. This is what's happening in MotoGP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, it's like I just got to ask. What's up, Hartley? When we give you equipment, what? Why do you not have confidence? Yeah, that's a good point. Good, good point. All right, I want to play a clip because we've got some really cool content out on our SoundCloud account, and we have uh, what are we calling our in-house historian? <laughs> historian, yeah. And uh, Paul Tarsi and Jonathan, you got to call, you got to sit and do a commentary race with him at the F1 Historics yeah, in, in Monaco. Monaco. Yeah, it was yeah. the ultimate, to be honest. Uh, I, I great guy. To, I got to hear that. It was on, what, Motor Turn on a Man, yeah. I guess, or anyway. But, yeah, it's a great guy. I mean, obviously, Paul Tarsi, if you've been around motorsports for a while, he's one of the, the doyens. Historicracingnews.com. Yeah, and his website. But we want to play this clip about uh, the Triple Crown because... Yeah, we didn't with, really explain it, did we? Yeah, we haven't talked about it. And, obviously, Fernando Alonso's all the going news, for it. Just going for the Triple Crown. So let's hear Paul Tarsi explain the Triple Crown. The winner of the Monaco Grand Prix, the Le Mans 24 Hours and the Indianapolis 500. And for that, the only person who's ever done that was Graham Hill, father of Damon. He, uh, he was the person who did that, but in a very, very different time. Because back in the 60s and early 70s and before that, Grand Prix drivers were not well paid. They, they were better paid than the man in the street, but they weren't making the sort of money that they are now. Now, what we have now with Fernando Alonso is a bit of a different thing. Fernando Alonso has been at the top of his game for a long time. He's got more money in the bank than he could spend in 10 lifetimes. So he doesn't need the money. He is doing this simply to break the record. And that is wonderful. That's great. And I love his fever. I just love the whole idea of somebody who has the racing fever and who really just wants to go and break some records because he can. Yeah. yeah, I love. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, break the records because he can. He doesn't need the money. Yeah, but doesn't it? Isn't it interesting that the triple crown was almost not a necessity, but it was kind of like, look, we're we're doing this because we're trying to earn money back in Hill's day. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like, hey, and by the way, Montoya is still in the running. That's right. I knew there was somebody else. I couldn't remember who it was. Is Ron Pablo Montoya? <laughs> and by the way, Montoya only needs to win Le Mans, and I say only, <laughs> but he's done Monaco and he's done the Indy Five Hundred. Yeah. So he, and I say that because I think it's harder to win the 500 than it is Le Mans. I agree. Boys, y'all are all in a flutter. There's one thing missing from this triple crown little thing. You going to say Daytona or something? 
I'm going to say Dakar. Wow, <laughs> that's a stretch. <laughs> it's on a different surface. Well, hey, wait a minute. No, these are professionals. You're talking world renowned. All right. Okay. Well, Loeb. Yeah. Carlos Sanz, senior. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think you should yeah. go back to the original Grand Prix, that 66 mile Pike, track. Pikes Peak. <laughs> there you go. Pikes Peak. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that interview, it's on our SoundCloud account, which you can find at our website. It's uh, a full podcast. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. Like, it's like 20 minutes. No, it's like 40 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's this guy's great. He has been around motorsports, Formula One, all of them forever. So it's like a 40-minute podcast. And you can find all of this stuff at our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. And uh, and by the way, you can always interact with us. We quoted a tweet while ago on the air uh, at Speedcaster is our Twitter. And on Facebook, we follow those during the show. Yeah, Andy P, we love you. Yep, Andy P. He brought up he brought up another. Yeah, really, wait, yeah, he had something else. He had a really good point. Oh, he was just saying he loves the conversation about how to grow the sport. If Liberty will work more with than negotiate against the race venues, it'll make a game changer. And he's in a lot of sports. Well, here's the one thing I will say: just observation from this far away from the Liberty family is they're actually listening. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember right after they took over the sport? They did a whole bunch of those surveys uh, online. Did y'all did y'all get yes. any of those? I got some oh, yeah. of those to my personal social, and and they wanted and and in fact, uh, I know they did some huge surveys about who was who were the fans of the sport, where they were, and you know, no telling what kind of data they got about what other sports they'd listen to and watch and all that. So uh, it, they're listening. You're absolutely right. Merchandise, yeah, merchandise. I think that's going to be the next big wave, uh, and I think it's going to create huge heroes. Um, sell on the shirt, sell on the hat, sell on the colors. Hey, I think the, uh, you know, the F1 week having uh, community engagement events, live, yep. uh, the London Live was a great example. Yeah. You didn't have to go to the race to, to experience some of the, the fun of it. And I, I think that's going to be big. Do you I'll, think? Let's do that in Austin. What do you say? I, I think that's, and Austin would be perfect for well, it. Well, Austin's been kind of on the forefront of that, guys, with the fans, the fans fest and everything. And, and, and the Taylor fans Swift forum. and the fans forum and all that. So, yeah. All right. Well, we got to go. Um, I'm going to throw out our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, uh, our social media, SoundCloud, YouTube. Watch our YouTube account. We're going to start turning up the knob on the YouTube account and trying to do some more stuff there. Is there, is there a knob? There is a knob if you have the correct radio oh, or yeah. computer or whatever. There's bound to be a knob somewhere. And mine goes to 11. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in to Speed City today. We will talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. Hi. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.